Hi, I'm Cheryl Prashker, and you're listening to FolkPod. This week's guests are, and yes, I said guests, Amy Liu and Lisa Maria of Mama's Broke. They are our first duo, and they have the distinct honor of also being our very first Canadian guests. I'm going to read a little something from their website, because I think that pretty much sums up what they're all about. Their two strong voices blend to create haunting harmonies, while they artfully juggle fiddle, banjo, guitar, mandolin, and incorporate traditional dance and foot percussion into their performance. Their original and often dark compositions push the boundaries of tradition and the constraints of genre. I first met Mama's Broke at the Cuckoo's Nest concert series in London, Ontario. I was invited to see the group, and they were the opening act. All I will say is, I have no recollection of who the main act was. Mama's Broke completely blew me away. We've been friends ever since, and I have loved watching them and their careers flourish. Welcome, Amy and Lisa of Mama's Broke. Hi, Hi Cheryl. <laughs> Thanks so much for having us. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm so excited about this. Now, where are you sitting right now? Uh, we are currently in my bedroom in New Orleans. Wow. What's the weather like? Because I'm sitting in Ontario, and as you can imagine, it's been sort of blizzardy. Like, what's it been like there? Oh, not to rub it in, but it's shorts <laughs> weather. 25 degrees and sunny today. No, shorts? Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Are you getting a chance to go out and see music? Like, is there music returning? Oh, is there yeah. stuff on the yes. streets? Yeah. 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 It's been a surreal contrast from just Canada versus down here as far as their opening levels. Right. That makes sense. So things are open and you're able to go see music. Is it inspiring to be there musically for you? Yes. For me, I was up in Canada just like alone for most of the pandemic. So just coming down here and just being around this many people, let alone this many musicians is like, yeah, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. All right. So I'm sure there's many listeners who don't know much about you. So I'm going to kind of just ask some questions about all kinds of stuff. For instance, can you tell me a little bit about how you came to be musicians? I mean, what instruments did you pick up first? And also... When did you know music was it? Like, did you have any other career paths in mind? You know, how did it all start for you individually? I actually distinctly set out to not be a musician because... Oh, really? My dad's a musician and my sister's a musician. And when I was growing up, my dad kind of put pressure on us to play music. Not not undue pressure, but he definitely gave us guitars and made it known that that's what he wanted us to pursue. Okay. And I wanted to be different. So I wanted to become a lawyer. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was my dream. But then of course, like the bug hit me Yeah. later on, but a little bit later, like, I don't know, I think I was like 15, 16, 17, kind of, I started picking it up a little bit. I always sang, Yeah. but I didn't play much or write anything until I was into my later teenage years. And you also play, this is Amy I'm talking to, you also play banjo. So was guitar your first instrument or banjo? Yeah, guitar was definitely first. There was always guitars around. It was a lot easier to pick up. And then banjo came a little later. I had a friend who bought herself a banjo and was kind of getting really into like old American folk music and was trying to learn it. And she had not had any experience with any other stringed instrument before. So... I taught myself 
a few basics so that I could teach her. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> that was like the first time I played banjo. But it wasn't like a, I wouldn't call it banjo playing. It was more like a guitar player trying to make sounds out of a banjo. Well, I don't know how you feel about your banjo playing now, but I find your banjo playing very soothing, relaxing. I just love the sound that comes out of the banjo when you're playing it. So thank you. I think you can call yourself a banjo player. I think after 10 years or so, I've finally accepted that maybe I'm a banjo player. Has it been 10 years? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Over 10 years now. I do forget that I met you a bunch of years ago and that we've had these two and a half years of COVID. I've just kind of lost track of time. And Yeah, I know. They didn't count. Yeah, exactly. And Lisa, I know that you play fiddle, but I know that you also grew up at the Godrich Celtic Roots Festival, which is where I'm now working. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a big part of your musical upbringing. Definitely. But I guess it's always been fiddle, right? Yeah. There was a mix, though, thrown in there. I did piano a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. But definitely the Goddard Celtic Music Festival, as well as some other festivals around southern Ontario, the home county, one out of London. Right, home county. Had a strong influence. I was fortunate enough to get brought to these every summer growing up. So great. Yeah, I wish I had had that because I didn't. And I think you're extremely lucky to have had that around you. Yeah. Your dad also plays and... Now, you play guitar as well. When did you pick that up? To be honest, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, because your guitar playing is amazing. Yeah, I think it was just something I had access to Yeah, at the house. and um, Just kind of fiddled around with it? Yeah, out of any instrument, I feel like there's always an acoustic guitar in the corner of someone's house or closet. Right. So it's kind of just been a more accessible instrument for me to pick up. Were either one of you in any other bands before you met? Yeah. Yeah, we were both in traveling bands of different kinds. Like, we probably at different points shared bandmates, too. (laughs) Right, right. Just like the traveling music busking scene, there's a lot of crossover, so. Right. And is that how you met? Where did you both meet? What part of your lives were you in when you both met? We would have been in our early 20s. We have different memories of where and when we met, so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's great. I love it. When you, like, move around a lot, it's hard to remember. It's like, was it that summer or this festival? But we're both based loosely in Montreal for a few years that had some overlap. And we had mutual friends that were all musicians. Okay. My hometown. Yeah. Montreal. Yeah, that's definitely a home base for us. When did you realize that you guys had something special together? I think it came about over a car ride that... We took together from Montreal to Halifax. I was just looking for a ride at the time, and Amy was driving out that way. So we spent the duration of the car ride discussing music, and I would say that was the first time we really had that much one-on-one time. Yeah. Did you sing in the car? We didn't play or sing or anything. We just talked about it. We just talked about the types of music that we liked and the way that we wanted to play. And I think that both of us had had similar experiences with different types of musicians that didn't quite click with dynamic and flow and just like wanting to express music in a certain way and just not quite getting there with different arrangements of people and different bands. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of were like, we were finishing each other's sentences and stuff like that about like the language of music and the expression part of it. Just for the people who don't know you guys, you write original material, but it sounds 
so traditional. And when I say traditional, it sounds like they're 300 years old and they're not. <laughs> so each one of you, what is some of your musical, like the people that you listen to or looked up to? Were you rockers? Were you folkies? What's your background and influences? <laughs> A lot of different yeah. stuff. Kind of all over the map. Which is good. You know, everything from punk to metal to Motown to progressive rock. But throughout all these paths, they kind of just always led me down a rabbit hole to chasing who those musicians' influences were. Oh, that's smart. And it just kept on always bringing me back further and further Wow, to kind of source material from the 20s and 30s that really plays a strong role in the music I play today. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. The simple, super raw, traditional stuff always was the stuff that ended up speaking the most to me. Like, I'll listen to all kinds of stuff. And my dad's a blues and jazz. Sure. But like 50s, 60s style, you know, very particular sound. Hmm. And yeah, I would like that. And then I'd be like, okay, but how do I get deeper? Like, what is the copper wire running through this like what is it coming from amazing and then it ends up being like like a completely acapella gospel song or like one dude with a banjo or something on a porch <laughs> yeah it's the song even from there then chasing it even further to uh, roots uh from other countries like yeah. the banjo for example and yeah. Chasing down the history. Yeah, like in afro beats and then back to England and you know you just keep going and you can go forever. Yeah. I think that's what makes you guys so wonderful and so unique in your sound. Count the Wicked is your first album. And obviously you've been sitting on that album a little while because of COVID. Mm -hmm. You had hoped to have put one out before that. And you will have one out in the spring, which I'm excited to let everybody know. But Count the Wicked, you know, I wore that out, by the way. <laughs> I wore it out. And as far as I'm concerned, each song is a hit. Tell us a little bit about the title track, Count the Wicked. Uh, that was very much a co-write. Some of the songs on that album are more coming from an individual spot that we kind of mosaic together. But that one in particular was very much like, I remember sitting in the truck, like our touring vehicle parked somewhere in Cape Breton. In Cape Breton. Yeah. I remember like really like hammering out those verses and both of us having really, really personal experiences with some of the themes in that song. I would say that, yeah, that one in particular was like a very like, Super personal, super collaborative song for us. As the fire rages on and on, and the sick and wicked faces until dawn. You'll find me in the bedroom with the blinds all drawn. You come down lies till I'm back to sleep while my body can't have It's an incredible song. Before I talk about any other songs and your writing techniques and all that stuff, I don't know if you feel up to it right this second, but can you do a little acapella something something? <laughs> is that doable? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have really bad allergies right now, so my voice is a little... I don't know if you can tell because you know what I normally yeah. sound like, Cheryl. It doesn't sound too bad over the airwaves, as it were. We'll see how it goes. All right. So give us an idea what this song is about or this little snippet. We'll do a 
an original. Cool. An original acapella that'll be oh. off our upcoming album. Oh, new music, everybody. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. We named it October's Lament. I wrote the lyrics to this right after I quit drinking for just over four years ago. So in the month of October of 2017. And yeah, it was like jumping off a cliff for me. Right. So this song is kind of like about jumping into the unknown and just trusting that the fall is part of the learning experience. Oh, man. Well, you have a lot of strength. I'll just say that. <laughs> oh, thanks. Okay. Do we have a key here? In the month of October, age 27, a woman had come to the end of her road. top was engulfed in flames and black smoke. The fall was not quite as she had expected. She braced and she waited for the resounding thud. So slowly she drifted So hell-bent on ending, though she never would. Wow. That was incredible. That's new music from Mama's Broke. That's incredible. That's gorgeous. I never heard that one before. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Thank you. I cannot wait to have this album. Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to writing, then obviously you each have your own personal stories that you bring to the group. And do you write in the same room? Does one person have lyrics and say, okay, you write the music or I don't have the music for this. What do you think? Or what's your writing process? What's it been so far? Really all over the Whatever map. we can get our hands on. You know, <laughs> I just, we're not always in the same country, let alone the same room. So right. this album has been a unique kind of experience for us because we were able to spend a few months together preparing whereas the album before that all of the writing and preparation was while touring and like just in really short snippets so this was like we got a little bit more time together to work on stuff so like it really depends on the song that one was very much from my little world and sure some of the instrumental stuff that's going to be on this record is very much from lisa's yep. little world and then we have a few songs that are really fully co-written together in the same room mm -hmm. in an evening. And then some that we were, you know, kind of spitballing back and forth over a more drawn out period of time. Yeah. Where, you know, we had maybe a couple verses, but we're still kind of figuring out the melody or instrumentation behind. Wow. And even just kind of what style we wanted, like the outcome of the song to be. Yeah. Amazing. So, for instance, this last song that we heard, Amy, you had the melody, and Lisa, your harmonies are, as always, stunning. So, do you sit down and decide, 
I hear this, I'm going to do this. Amy, do you say to Lisa, why don't you try a third or why don't you try this note? Mm. Like how do the harmonies get discussed? We usually start by just trying it out, singing. Uh Organically. Sometimes we'll switch back and forth. They'll be like, Lisa, you sing the melody and let me try this. Yep. We both love arranging harmonies. Like we're both very passionate about that part. So we'll both try different things together. And then usually we end up landing on something that's in between what I come up with and what she comes up with. Oh, cool. For a harmony part. I think this one in particular, I remember doing in the car a lot. (laughs) That's when we tend to work out harmony stuff. That makes sense. Count the wicked that you mentioned. Yeah. You know, my strongest memory of that was us sitting in our car for hours working out these harmony parts only to realize that we had left the lights on and then we needed a jump. jump. Oh, yeah. And we had like parked <laughs> off the road, like oh in the God. woods. I forgot about that. So I, I had to like, like go flag somebody yeah, down. Yeah, I walked out onto the highway, like oh, holding my. jumper cables. You're kidding. Being like, please follow me down this dirt road. <laughs> we literally, to jump my yeah. Car. Yeah, we did that. That so, happened. So sometimes when, yeah, we're working out harmonies, we or, can just get so. Well, absorbed absorbed like miss an exit and drive four hours out of the way of where we're going yeah that's happened yeah multiple multiple times (laughs) i know we're so spaced out i love it i love it that's such a musician thing to do i love it yeah as you know my favorite song on count the wicked is well i have a bunch but black rock beach where does that come from creepy creepy Creepy. <laughs> that first record, there's a few songs of each of ours that we had had in the bank, individual banks. Before meeting Before each meeting. Other. Okay. So we brought it together and arranged it together. So that one I actually wrote when I was like 18 years old. <laughs> really? It was like maybe one of the first songs I ever wrote. And I don't remember at all where or when or what happened. But my dad was telling me stories about this one particular place in Halifax where it was like a public hanging spot. And he was telling me the story about this family that he's a land surveyor. So he like goes around and finds himself on people's private properties and gets some dogs chasing him and people Mm. with pitchforks and stuff sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so he like was doing this job and met this family of like bootleggers up in the hills somewhere in Nova Scotia. And wow, I'm not going to say the name of the family, but they're like bootleggers and kind of like little criminal organization for many many years and according to local lore they used to sell food at the public hangings and booze are you kidding me yeah that's like how they made their money back then oh dear because it was like a carnival you know you show up and you get your mulled cider and your snacks or whatever i don't know what they were eating back then (laughs) but yeah so i thought that was such a bizarre thing that yeah people would show up to these public hangings it was like going to a football game come on you neighbors down to the shore come on you neighbors down to the shore the mothers and children who hear the ocean roar come quick now my friends before the setting sun come quick now my friends before the setting Beach, see that justice done. Hot cider, hot cider, a penny with me. Buy hot cider, hot cider, a penny 
Wow, it's a great song, and you're incredible storytellers when you sing. Like, I can see a video, like I can see the music video in my head when I hear those songs, and not everybody's good at that, and you are both extremely good at that. Have you ever made a music video? We just recently did. Ooh, do tell. Uh, We have a few things in the works that we can't wait to share with you all. (gasps) surprise yeah we've never really had the time or the money quite frankly to do music videos at least right other than like live performance yeah but as far yeah. as like narrative stuff goes basically we haven't had the opportunity until we had some funding and canada councils mm-hmm. came through which was amazing aren't we lucky here yeah we kind of found ourselves in a unique position during the pandemic because this is when we were recording the album uh but this is also when We were not being able to necessarily be around people or have a crew to work with. Right. So we ended up deciding to work with an animator for the title track off our new album. Oh, that's exciting. Called Narrow Line. Yay. By doing animation, it gave us the unique opportunity to kind of get to express certain imagery Mm. we otherwise wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, it gives you a little bit more freedom to do it that way. Yeah, that's fantastic. Wow. Okay. I can't wait to see that. And again, like you said, that's a new thing for Mama's Broke because you have done a lot of videos and, you know, just you guys sitting and playing and concerts and whatnot. So I urge our audiences to check that out on YouTube. And one of the songs that I never asked you about is What Can May Come? Who wrote that one? I wrote the words for that. And then I wrote the tune after it. The tune, yeah, the instrumental at the end, and we arranged it together. It's a round, so mm-hmm. there's three melody parts. Oh, I guess we wrote the other verse yeah. together. Yeah. Lisa actually wrote the melody for the third one. Anyway, yeah. it was a collaboration. It's wild. <laughs> it's yeah. actually funny that you ask, because that one came about, there's a very, very long bridge coming into New Orleans. Seven or eight years ago, I was driving in at sunset through the swamp, like through the bayou or whatever. And that's when the words to that came. It was a very apocalyptic looking scene. When everything is dead in the fields, in the swamps, in the mountains, when all things have passed and gone, and my friends have all moved on. Where will I go? Where can I be? Where will you meet me? Let all that work can make come. I will need no one to keep. Dead in the fields, in the 
the swamps, in the mountains When all things have passed and gone And my friends have all moved on Where will I go? Where can I be? When will you meet me? Let all that one can make come I will need no one to keep me When everyone can choose any side of the line to be born on Into a wall that contains thee But all that what can make come I will need no one to keep me Inside, outside We are in churches Painted with all the things that you call freedom Past and gone, my friends have all moved Where will I go? Everything is dead in the fields, in the swamps, in the mountains. When all things have passed and gone, my friends have all moved see it visually you're not expecting you to be holding the fiddle lisa to be playing the fiddle with chopsticks or whatever you use what do you use you generally use chopsticks yeah. but occasionally whatever we can get our hands on right yeah <laughs> the last time i used lip liner and eyeliner blush <laughs> because i couldn't find my chopstick it's always a thing did it work it was okay it was not preferable but <laughs> yeah. it worked enough for rock and roll <laughs> oh it's great just for the audience out there who are also young musicians, singer-songwriters, or bands, I'd say nobody's done as much work in the sort of underground folk music scene as you ladies have. I don't know if you can tell us a little bit about what that was like, where you were, where you stayed, where you traveled, and maybe you won't want to because we know there'll be some parents listening to this show. <laughs> Just dawned on me there, Lisa. Sorry about that. <laughs> There's only so much Lisa's going to want to divulge on this show. You know what? I feel like it's time. We're in our 30s. No, you're not. Are you? We're both 31. Yeah. What? How did that happen? I don't know. I don't know. My babies are growing up. I know. I know. The pandemic didn't count, though. So technically, we're still 29. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, all kidding aside, you guys really worked it. And (laughs) no, you did. You put such time and effort and played God knows where. I don't even know. I couldn't tell you, Cheryl. I don't remember. It's all a blur. <laughs> it's all a blur. But I mean, you did some street 
playing? Did you do that in Montreal? I know you've toured Europe. Tell us a little bit about that because there's so many musicians my age who still never played Europe. Mm -hmm. How did you guys go about this? Zero standards for comfort, Cheryl. (laughs) That is how you tour internationally. You have to be ready to sleep in a park. You have to be ready to sleep on the bus, wherever you can catch some Zs. Just do whatever you need to do. This is how you tour internationally. That is the key to success. (laughs) And you have a very loyal fan base because of it all over the world, right? Yeah, it's literally face to face. I would say the vast majority of the people that listen to us probably saw us live. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's word of mouth, right? It is word of mouth. It's very uh, old school. I was talking with somebody at Music Nova Scotia about this and he was like, I've never seen anything like this where online followers are actually reflective of physical in person, like they bought something from you and shook your hand and like that kind of legwork is pretty rare, I guess. That's what they were saying. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not like we set out to do it that way. It was just honestly like the practical way of life for us because mm-hmm. we were busking, we were traveling with other bands that were doing the same type of touring that we were like playing in houses and squats and mm-hmm. just doing everything kind of very on the fly, very DIY. We did everything also backwards. <laughs> Our first tour was in Europe without even an album yet. Wow. But I mean, we were very fortunate and just like we went over there and it's such an established acoustic. They do love North American music and they're very welcoming. Yeah. And there's a very, very like strong and connected network of I would say like alternative communities that like putting on all ages shows, whether it's punk music or ska or like whatever. Right. There's so many different spaces like that in Europe where it's so easy to kind of just like find the venue. Whereas I feel like Canada and the US is a little bit more challenging that way. It's like you have to be more professional than we were (laughs) to like get these gigs. There's an audience at this info shop or this whatever, this all ages venue. It was more casual than I think a lot of tours have been since. Interesting. So now that you're in your 30s, (laughs) you're back here and you're about ready to release your second album. How do you feel? Are you playing different venues? Are you looking to play different venues? Do you have a booking agent? I think this album is going to be with a record company. Mm -hmm. So tell us a bit about where you are now, what it's been like the last couple of years to get to this. Yeah, we have put in a lot of time and a lot of legwork and built a lot of connections over the years that has definitely... Starting to pay off. It's starting to pay off. It's a very slow process, as I'm sure you know, Cheryl. I told you it would, didn't I? Yeah, (laughs) but I think that how we started out is still very important. And we played a show in New Orleans a few weeks ago that was like in a warehouse space with all like young artists, musicians, whatever in the audience. And it was just wild. It was totally wild. And that juxtaposed with some venues, we've played folk clubs where it's like most of the audience is over the age of 50. Yeah, We've got a pretty wide cross section of people that come to the shows. Which is amazing. I think it speaks to the work that you put in, like you said, and also how professional you guys come across and how amazing you sound. You sound so seasoned because you are. And You guys are mesmerizing. I can't say it enough. You're mesmerizing to watch and to listen to in a room. You are. And I haven't seen you in a couple of years because of COVID, but I just can't wait for the whole world to hear you. (laughs) Not that the whole world's listening to Folk Pod, but we're going to get there. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. It's going to happen. So tell us about the album, and I wonder if you would 
play us another new song. Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to. Yeah, so this record is, it's a long time in the making. And then we are working with Free Dirt Records with this, which is so exciting. Very excited. Their roster is so, so good. Congratulations. Where are they out of? Washington, D.C. You know, they put out Anna and Elizabeth. They put out old recordings, too, of like Alice Gerard. It's just like really good stuff. Like they know their shit. Right. Good. But we met Jonathan from Free Dirt at Clifftop. Oh, great. Because we didn't meet him, but he saw us. Yeah. But that was the first time he saw us was at Clifftop. Oh, I didn't even realize he saw us. (laughs) Yeah, he totally did. And then through mutual friends, we were talking for a few years, so it worked out to put it out with them, which is so exciting. Is there a theme, a sound that you feel this album has, or is it just basically where you're at right now? Where we're at right now, yeah. It's hard to explain. There's like somewhat a loose theme based upon both physical borders as well as eternal borders yeah. and challenges. Yeah. In Walking life. lines and fences and boundaries and different and things finding like that, that balance. Yeah. Pretty good timing for where we're all at right now, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. When will it be released? May 13th. Yeah. We have a single coming out in sometime in March. March 1st. March 1st? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's soon. Yeah. That is very soon. Do you have some gigs planned already? We're working on, yeah, a little release tour that's, like, going to start on the drop date okay. in May and through the summer. Like, May is the U.S. and June is going to be in the U.K. and Ireland. Wow. And then July is looking like Canada. But, you know, everything is so still up in the air. Of course. Everything's last minute these days, I'm finding. I understand. Would you play us a song off the album? Yeah, Yeah, sure. Let me just grab my guitar. Cool. So what's this one called and who's playing what? Uh, This one's called Just Pick One. And I'm on the mandolin and Amy is playing guitar. And this one was very much a collaborative co-write. When late one evening we were about to go to bed and then we kind of just started fooling around with this one riff that I came up with and then and then we were like you know what let's just finish it let's just do it <laughs> which is kind of rare for us yeah we kind of drag out the songwriting process sometimes I would say both of us are perfectionists when it comes to songs so like so when something can come together in the evening it's, uh, <laughs> I love it yeah. it's hard that is hard Just pick one, it'll hurt some 
Just pick one for Mama's Broke. Brand new. That was incredible. You're so together. Sometimes I don't know who's singing what parts. That's the best. Yeah, we don't either sometimes <laughs> listening back. Really? Cheryl, we were doing a sound test before this. Recorded on this mic just to see if our voices were yeah. coming through. And I couldn't tell who was who. <laughs> That's just so cool. That's so cool. Everybody, you got to go see Mama's Broke. Can you uh, divulge where the name of the band came from? Oh my gosh. It kind of started as a joke. A friend of ours was always like referring to um, herself as mama, like mama this, mama that, like mama's hungry, mama's tired, whatever. Oh, okay. And like mama's always broke. Like we we're just always yeah. broke. <laughs> yeah. And then it just kind of sort of stick. And then it's got lots of meanings, I guess. Sure. Just wasn't sure if there was a particular mama. <laughs> just the general. Yeah. I hear you. So excited for all that you have going on. How long are you going to be in New Orleans? Until the launch date of May 13th, we're going to do a release party here, hopefully. Okay. And just tour up to Canada from here and then fly on over to the UK. I can't wait till you come back to Canada and play here. Yeah. Where can people find you on the World Wide Web? We got that .ca, Cheryl. The coveted .ca. Mamasbroke.ca. Yeah. (laughs) Bring it. There is a Mama's Broke Facebook page, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We do everything but Twitter because I don't understand how to use it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old. But Instagram, you guys are on all that yes. stuff, so that's cool. I always ask the musicians this. I haven't prompted any of the musicians when I ask you this, so take a moment, take a deep breath, and each one of you tell me something crazy, funny, silly, cute about you that nobody would know. <laughs> oh, no. Dang. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Okay. That nobody would know? Well, that people would never guess mm. of you. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> okay. It's always been a dream of mine 
to release a pop country album under a fake name. Really? Yes. That's so cool. I'm talking like Carrie Underwood. I'm talking Nashville. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like 2015 sound. Do it, Mm -hmm. girlfriend. Nobody will ever know, though, because I'm going to use a name. I'm going to wear a wig. (laughs) You'll never know it's me. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I guess I can't be your drummer. Session guys. Nashville session guys. In their cowboy boots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. So keep an eye out for it, except you won't know it's me, so there's no point. (laughs) (laughs) Lisa, what about you? Cue the crickets for a second here. (laughs) Well, a lot of people don't know that Lisa makes jewelry. A hobby of mine is doing silversmithing. I didn't know that. She travels around with, in her truck, a huge, ridiculously heavy suitcase full of silversmithing I didn't know that. Gear. All my tools. Really? Anytime I'm parked long enough, I set it up on the back of my tailgate. She's a tailgate silversmith. Tailgate <laughs> silversmith. That's cool. I did not know that. You can find my stuff at a show. Slinging at the merch we need table. To get, we need to get her on Instagram or social or yeah. something like this with her jewelry. Seriously. No, seriously. You need to. That's really cool. Yeah. It's very nice. I'm looking at her earrings right now. People should know. Well, now we know. People should know this. Everybody, you've been listening to Mama's Broke on Folk Pod. Thank you so much for being our first duo, our very first Canadian act on the show. And cannot wait for the new CD to come out. Everybody go get Count the Wicked. Trust me, you'll be happy you did. Get on their mailing list, mamasbroke.ca, the real website. The real one. You've been listening to FolkPod. Thank you so much for having us. FolkPod is a production of Long Story Short, with me, Cheryl Prashker, your host, producer, and lead schmoozer, and Shauna Boniface, creator, producer, and editor. Like and subscribe to FolkPod wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us five stars on iTunes. It really helps raise our profile for more listeners. Catch us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Folk Pod. Thanks for listening, and hope to see you next time.